0: Chapter Eleven. Gary looked confused for a second, then he turned the lock and pulled open the front door. Della's mother and a tall bold man walked in. Oh, hi, Gary! What a nice surprise! Mrs. O'Connor said, looking a bit startled. This is Mr. Garrison. He walks me home. Your mother forgot her house key. Mr. Garrison explained to Della. Mrs. O'Connor poked her head into the living room and was further startled to see that Della had even more visitors. Della. A party on a school night? Some party, Della thought. What are you doing here, she blurted out. I mean, why are you back so early? No one was much in the mood for Bridge tonight, so we decided to break up early, Mrs. O'Connor said. What's going on here, she asked, tossing her pocketbook down on a side table and striding into the center of the room. Mom, I'd like you to meet the members of the outdoors club, Della said, regaining her composure. She introduced everyone to her mother. I like your hair, Mrs. O'Connor said to Suki. How do you get it to stand up like that? I use a gel, Suki said, trying to figure out if Della's mom was putting her on or not. It's very, what do they call it? Very rad, Mrs. O'Connor said. Ricky started to laugh, then quickly stopped. No, really, I like it, Mrs. O'Connor insisted. Of course, if Della did that to her hair, I'd murder her. Mom, please, Della interrupted. And why the special club meeting, Mrs. O'Connor asked. "'ignoring her daughter's protest. "'Oh, we were just talking about the overnight,' Della answered, thinking quickly. "'I hear it was a great success,' Mrs. O'Connor said, "'straightening a pile of magazines on a coffee table. "'She never could just stand and talk. "'She always had to be doing something useful at the same time.' "'Oh, yeah, great,' Gary said. "'It was rad,' Ricky added. "'No one laughed. "'If Mrs. O'Connor realized that he was making fun of her, she didn't let on.' We were just finishing, actually, Della said, looking at the others to make sure they understood it was time to leave. Yeah, meeting adjourned, Gary said. He smiled at Mrs. O'Connor. I'm the president. If I didn't say that, they couldn't go home. Della's mother laughed her high-pitched laugh. It's so nice to see you, Gary, she said. We've missed you around here. Gary turned bright red and looked very embarrassed. Della would have enjoyed his discomfort, except that she felt equally embarrassed. Everyone said goodbye and walked out into the night, except for Pete, who lingered uncomfortably in the doorway. Uh, Della, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure, Della said, wondering why he looked so nervous. Was he afraid to go outside because the dead man's partner might be lurking out there? No. She hoped he didn't want to talk more about the partner and everything else, not with her mom so near. I was wondering, he said, leading her out onto the front porch of privacy, if maybe you'd like to go out with me Friday night. Oh! It wasn't at all what she had expected. She took a deep breath. The air felt cool and sweet. She could smell the apple blossoms from the tree across the driveway. Yeah, okay, she smiled at him. Sounds okay. He smiled back. I'll pick you up after eight, okay? Maybe we'll go to a movie, or maybe to the mill. Fine. The ancient, collapsing mill, built at the end of Old Mill Road before the town of Shadyside even existed, had recently been resurrected and reopened as a teen dance club called The Mill. A lot of Della's friends from Shadyside High went there just about every weekend to dance and meet guys. But she had a hard time picturing Pete there in his crisply pleated chinos and Ralph Lauren polo shirts. Maybe he isn't such a stiff after all, she thought, watching him head down the driveway to a station wagon. He's been so sweet to me. Maybe he's just what I need to help me forget about Gary. She shivered suddenly, remembering that someone might be out there. Someone might be hiding in the darkness, staring at her, watching her right now, plotting against her, hating her. Still shivering, she turned and bolted into the house, slamming the door loudly behind her, so loudly that dogs began barking and howling all down the block. I can't believe I'm having such a great time, Della said to herself. It was Friday night and she and Pete had already been dancing at the mill for more than an hour. She laughed and slapped him playfully on the shoulder as he attempted a ridiculous dance maneuver on one leg. Actually, Pete wasn't a good dancer. In fact, he had no sense of rhythm at all, but at least he tried. He even made jokes about his dancing. I never even knew he had a sense of humor, Della thought, scolding herself for having such a wrong impression of him. The club was hot and crowded. Teenagers packed the dance floor, bumping into each other as they moved to the deafening music, the insistent drums pounding out a steady rhythm through the massive speaker suspended in every corner of the huge room. Swirling blue and magenta lights made it seem as if the floor were spinning. Crowds of kids watched the dancers from the refreshment bar that ran the entire length of the building, or from the low balcony that overhung the dance floor. Della and Pete danced nonstop. It was far too noisy to talk. A little after midnight, she pulled him out into the parking lot. Enough! I'm totally wrecked! she cried happily. He laughed. Even though it was a warm night, The air felt cool against their hot faces. When she looked up at the sky, Della could still see the swirling colors of the lights. The pounding rhythm floated out from the dance club, drums and bass guitar driving to the same beat as her heart. Want to get something to eat, he asked. I don't know. It's so late. She knew she should be tired, but she felt just the opposite, keyed up, eager to keep moving, totally wired. Let's go get a hamburger, he said, pulling her by the hand. His own hand was hot and wet. She pulled back suddenly, catching him off guard, and he stumbled close. Impulsively, she reached her hand up behind his neck, held him, and gave him a long kiss. When she backed away, he looked stunned. That was a good night kiss, she said, laughing at his shocked expression. I just wanted to get it over with. Now, let's go get a hamburger. They climbed into the front of the station wagon and immediately rolled down the windows, trying to cool off. Pete backed out of the parking space and headed out of the still-crowded parking lot. Another car, its brights on, followed close behind. Pete pulled out onto Old Mill Road, squinting into the mirror. Wish he turned his brights off, he muttered. The road was empty, nothing but darkness up ahead as far as Della could see. There wasn't much reason to drive on this far edge of town so late at night, unless you were on the way to or from the mill. Della settled back into the seat, resting her knees against the dashboard. She felt great, relaxed and happily tired. But she could see that something was troubling Pete. What's wrong? This guy won't get off my tail, Pete complained, looking into the rearview mirror. Slow down. Maybe he'll go around, she suggested. Pete slowed down. Della turned around to look out the back window. The car didn't pass them. Instead, it slowed down too. Maybe it's someone we know, Della suggested. I can't tell. The bright lights are blinding me. The back window was filled with light, so it was impossible to see anything through it. Pete slowed down even more. Then he pulled to the side of the road onto the soft dirt shoulder. Hey, what's the big idea? He shouted out the window. The other car pulled over too and stopped just inches behind them. Pete reached for the door handle to climb out. No, wait, Della said, grabbing his other arm. She suddenly felt fearful. What if this wasn't someone they knew? What if this was someone they didn't want to know? She hadn't thought about the dead man and his partner all night, but now the whole thing flashed once again through her mind. Don't get out, Pete. Lock your door. He gave her a funny look, but followed her advice. They watched the car behind them, he through the rearview mirror, she through the back window, waiting for someone to open the door, to step out so they could see him or her. But the door didn't open. Whoever it was in the car behind them gunned the engine until it roared. I'm scared, Della admitted. Let's get out of here, Pete. Obligingly, he put the car into drive and floored the gas pedal. The tire spun loudly on the soft ground as the car lurched back onto the road. Pete lost control for a moment as it skidded onto the pavement. Then he quickly guided it back into the lane, and, keeping his foot down hard, sped away. Della sank back onto the seat, trying to force herself not to panic. She looked over at the glowing green speedometer. They were doing 85. Please, Della said aloud without realizing it. Please, go away, whoever you are! They heard a squeal behind them followed by the roar of the other car's engine. Bright yellow lights reflected off the rearview mirror again, filling the car with light and fast-moving shadows. I don't believe this, Pete cried. The wheel was bouncing in his hand. It was taking all of his skill and concentration to steer along the curving old road at such a high speed. He's still on our tail. This is crazy. He pressed harder on the gas pedal. Della saw the needle go up to 90. What are we doing, she cried. This is insane. I hate car chases in the movies. I never expected to be in one in real life. Check your seatbelt, Pete said. Sometimes that one slides loose. Oh, thanks for telling me, she cried. You picked a fine time to mention it. Pete looked into the mirror, and his expression became more worried. He's speeding up. But he's right behind us. He'll crash into us, Della screamed, ducking down low and closing her eyes. My dad'll kill me, Pete said. He loves this wagon. How can you worry about the car, Della shouted over the roar of the engine. What about your life? You don't know my dad, Pete said, veering into the left lane, then swerving back into the right. He really cares about his possessions. Oh, Della cried as she felt the impact. Then another bump, bump, bump as the car behind them banged into the rear bumper. What the? Pete's eyes stared straight ahead as he struggled to keep control of the car. Is he really trying to ram us off the road or is it just a game or what? Della shut her eyes tight and gripped the sides of the bucket seat. She cried out again as they were bumped hard from behind, the car seeming to bounce up off the road and then come down with its tires spinning. "'Turn off!' she cried. "'Turn on to another road. Maybe he won't follow.' "'I can't,' Pete said, his voice revealing his fright. "'I'm going too fast. I don't know if I can keep control.' They were bumped again, this time even harder. The bright lights seemed to circle the car, infiltrating every corner, surrounding them in a harsh yellow glare. "'It's a Taurus,' Pete said, his eyes on the mirror. Know anybody who has a black Taurus? No, Della said. What are we going to do? Hold on tight, Pete said. This may be stupid, but I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work, well, it's been real. What are you going to do? She asked. But instead of answering, he slammed his foot down on the brake and spun the wheel. The car squealed and slid for about a hundred yards, then spun around. The other car veered wildly to the right to get out of the way, then roared past. Pete frantically moved the wheel, trying to bring the wagon out of its spin. They had completely turned around now and were facing the way they had come. He floored the gas pedal again and they moved forward. That's an old Kojak trick, Pete exclaimed, obviously relieved that he was still alive to tell her that. You okay? I don't know. I guess. Did we lose him? Pete looked into the mirror. Yeah, I think so. We- They heard the squeal of brakes and tires. He's turning around. They heard a crash, so loud Pete's hands flew up in the air. Della screamed but couldn't hear herself. The crash was followed by a hideous crunching sound, the sound of glass shattering and metal hitting wood. Pete eased the wagon to a stop. Della's heart was pounding. At first she had thought they had crashed. It was all so unreal. It took a long time for her to realize that the other car had slid off the road and smacked into the trees. We've got to go back, Pete said. Whoever it is has got to be in bad shape after that. I guess, Stella said with a shudder. She turned to Pete. Are you okay? Yeah, he said, turning the wagon around. I'm okay. This is a pretty exciting first date, don't you think? Shut up, she said teasingly. He eased the car around and drove slowly back until they saw the Taurus. Its headlights were still on, but they were shining up toward the sky. The car was tilted against a massive tree trunk. With its tire still spinning, it looked as if it were trying to climb the tree. As they drove closer, Pete and Della saw that the right side of the car was completely smashed in. Surprisingly, the driver's side was relatively unharmed. Shards of glass lay scattered across the road. Let's go see how bad he's hurt, Pete said. Della grasped his arm tightly but didn't move. You don't want to come with me, he asked softly. That's okay. No problem. You can stay in the car. No," she said, suddenly feeling a wave of nausea. No, I want to get out of the car. I want to see who it is in there. Who was doing that to us? Pete opened his door and stepped out. He walked around the front of the station wagon and opened the passenger door for her. Della climbed out unsteadily and they made their way, following the beam of their headlights to the driver's side of the wrecked car. Now let's see exactly who it is, Della said. She gripped the handle and pulled open the door to the Taurus. The car was empty. Chapter 12 So who was it in the car? Maya asked. Who was chasing you? I don't know, Della told her with a shrug. It was Monday afternoon and they were leaning against a yellow tile wall just outside the door to Mr. Abner's room. School had let out ten minutes earlier and already the halls were nearly deserted. Della had just told the whole frightening story about the Friday night car chase to Maya the first person from the outdoors club she had seen. She was reluctant to talk about it, but she just had to tell someone. Now she regretted it because Maya looked pale and shaky. You don't know who was in the car? Maya asked, not understanding. There was no one in the car, Della explained, whispering, even though the corridor was empty. You mean? Whoever it was must have run off into the woods before we got to the car. That's so scary, Maya said, pressing the back of her head against the wall and closing her eyes. Do you think it was... The partner? Maybe, Dulla said. It wasn't a kid from school or anything. No one we know would try such a dangerous stunt. But why would he? Maya started. She stopped when Ricky bounced up beside them. Talking about me again, huh? He said, putting his chubby arms around them both. Well, I'm sorry. You both can't have me. You'll have to fight it out among yourselves. He laughed and walked past them into the classroom. Maya frowned with disgust. They could hear him greeting Suki, Gary, and Pete. He's not so bad, Della said. Not so bad as what? Not so bad as bubonic plague? Maya exclaimed. Then her face filled with concern. So, are you okay? You weren't hurt or anything? No, Della assured her. Pete and I were okay. Just a little scared. We drove home very slowly. She swung her book bag from one hand to the other and shifted her weight. I haven't been able to sleep too well, though. Every time I fall asleep, I see headlights, and I dream i being chased again. That's awful, Maya said, shaking her head sadly. I've been having bad dreams, too. What a mistake we all made. If only we'd stayed home instead of, uh-oh, here comes Mr. Abner. Hi, girls. Sorry I'm late, he called to them from down the hall. He strode up quickly to them, his brown leather cowboy boots clicking loudly on the floor as he walked, with his straight-legged jeans and red and black checked flannel shirt. He looked more like a tall, lanky cowboy than a teacher. All he needed was a bandana around his neck, Della decided. What are you two talking about so seriously, he asked. Nothing much, Maya said quickly, blushing. Did we look serious, Della asked teasingly. That must be a first, right? He followed them into the room. They took their seats in the first row. Pete smiled across at Della. Suki was playfully slapping Gary's hand. Mr. Abner lowered a window blind, blocking the bright sunshine that had been flooding over his desk. Nice day, he said to no one in particular. Too bad we were in here and missed it. I didn't want to miss it, Ricky said, so I cut my morning classes. He laughed loudly so Mr. Abner would know it was a joke. Mr. Abner gave him a weak smile. Then he sat down on the front of his desk, crossing his legs and looking down at his cowboy boots. I'm back, he said. Let me apologize again for having to postpone the overnight. I know you had all worked very hard getting ready for it, and I know how much you were looking forward to it. Della shifted uncomfortably in her seat. She pulled at a long strand of her dark hair, a nervous habit. She'd been doing it a lot lately, she realized. She had a lot to be nervous about. Now she was worried that somehow one of them was going to give away the fact that they had gone on the overnight without Mr. Abner. If only he would change the subject, she thought. This is just too dangerous. Of course, no one would deliberately reveal anything, but what if one of them would make a slip? These family problems. I'm sure you know what I mean, Mr. Abner was saying. Dello realized he had missed the whole story he had been telling. The teacher uncrossed his long legs and recrossed them the other way. Anyway, I'm back, he said smiling, and I have very good news for you. Everyone was listening very intently now. I've been able to reschedule our Fear island overnight for this coming Saturday, Mr. Abner said. He leaned forward expectantly, awaiting their pleased reaction to his announcement. His smile quickly faded when no one said anything. "'Oh, that's great,' Della exclaimed finally, hoping she sounded just a little bit genuine. With all the terror they had experienced in the past two weeks, everyone had forgotten that Mr. Abner would be eager to reschedule the overnight. "'Yeah, terrific,' Ricky said, not being the least bit convincing. "'This weekend? Gosh, I don't know if I can make it,' Maya said. "'My family is going upstate, I think, to visit, uh, relatives.' ''Yeah, mine too,'' Gary said. ''I mean, not upstate. But I'm pretty sure we have plans, Mr. Abner.'' Their advisor looked hurt. ''I knew you guys were disappointed before, so I pushed aside some plans of my own.'' He looked toward the window but couldn't see out because he had closed the blinds. ''I have to admit I'm a little surprised by your reaction,'' he said, scratching his left cheek with his fingernails. ''Or rather, your lack of reaction. This is the outdoors club, right?'' And you guys have been after me all winter to organize an overnight, right? We're still excited about it, Gary said. Really? I've still got my gear packed and ready, Della added. Come on, everyone, she thought. Show a little enthusiasm. Mr. Abner is becoming suspicious. We can't let him start asking questions about why none of us want to go back to Fair Island. We just can't. I'm still crazy to go, said Suki, who had been silent and pensive the whole time. But I've got to check and see what the plans are for this weekend. She looked at Gary, as if expecting him to back her up or say something to help. Gary looked back at her uncomfortably. Then he turned to Mr. Abner and said, Maybe the club should meet again later in the week, you know, on Wednesday or something. Then we'd all know if we're free or not. Well, I guess we'd better, Mr. Abner said, not hiding his disappointment. I must say, I'm underwhelmed by your enthusiastic response. Is there something going on here that I don't know about? A cold chill ran down Della's back. She looked over at Maya, who was tightly gripping the sides of her chair and staring down at the floor. I think it's just spring fever, Gary said, grinning reassuringly at Mr. Abner. We're all just wrecked from the weekend. I know I did a lot of partying. Too much partying, Suki said. Everyone laughed uncomfortably. We're still looking forward to it, Pete said. We're looking forward to it like a math test, Stella thought. There's no way any of us are ever going back to Fear Island. If only we could level with him. He's not a bad guy, but he's still a teacher. There's no way we can explain anything to him. Okay then, Mr. Abner said with a resigned shrug. We're agreed. We'll meet again after school on Wednesday, and you'll let me know if you can fit the overnight into your busy schedules. He stood up, gathered some papers from his desk, and strode quickly out of the room. As soon as they were sure he was gone, Gary jumped up, walked to the front of the room, and motioned for everyone to stay in their seats. We've got to talk, he said, nervously looking toward the door. What are we going to tell Abner? Yeah, how are we getting out of this stupid overnight? Suki asked, sounding angry for some reason. There's no way I'm ever camping out there again, that's for sure. Right on, Ricky shouted. Gary motioned for him to lower his voice. I'm sure we all feel the same way, he said, so we have to figure out. There is a noise out in the hallway, the sound of someone opening a locker. We'd better not talk here, Della said. Let's go down behind the parking lot, Gary suggested. I only have a few minutes, Maya said, looking at her watch. I told my mom I'd be home at four. They hurried out the side door and then circled around to the student parking lot behind the building. There were only two cars on the lot. Everyone else had gone home. On the practice field behind the tennis courts, members of the Side baseball team were doing warm-up calisthenics. We just have to stall him, Pete suggested as they leaned against a tall metal fence that separated the parking lot from the practice field. School's out in four or five weeks. If we're all busy on weekends, the overnight just won't take place. Maybe we should explain what happened. Tell the whole story to Abner, Gary suggested. It would be good, I think, to tell it to an adult. He wouldn't go to the police or anything, I don't think. No, Maya protested immediately. It's our secret. We have to keep it our secret. We took a vow, remember? The others all quickly agreed with her. There was no telling what Mr. Abner would do if he found out what they had done. We can stall him, Suki said with certainty. We just have to make sure that our stories... Hey, I just remembered something, Ricky interrupted. He turned to Della and poked her on the shoulder with his finger. My zap gun. I came back from the overnight with only five zap guns. You never gave yours back to me. Can you bring it over to my house tonight? Oh, no, Della gasped, grabbing the fence. She suddenly felt cold all over. Not tonight? Well, can you bring it to school tomorrow? Ricky asked, not noticing her horrified expression. I i left it, Della managed to say. What? I had the gun in the ravine, then the man, he, he took it from me and... She shook her head hard, as if trying to shake away what she was remembering. She stared at Ricky. I left the gun with the body, on Fear Island. No, that's impossible, Ricky cried. He slammed his fist against the fence, making a clang. Several of the baseball players looked over at them. Shh! lower your voice, Ricky, Gary warned. But my gun! I mean, you can't leave it there, he screamed at Della, ignoring Gary. When the police find the body in the leaves, my gun will be there. They won't know it's yours, sure, Suki told him with a look of disgust. Everyone knows I meant zap, wars, Ricky said heatedly, turning away from Della and shouting in Suki's face. Everyone knows I'm the one in school with all the Zap guns. All the cops have to do is ask any kid at Shadyside who has Zap guns, and they'll be coming right after me. That gun will lead them right to Ricky Sure, and I'll tell you one thing. Gary pulled him back away from Suki. Cool your jets, man. Come on, Ricky. Ricky pulled out of Gary's grasp. I'll tell you one thing. I'm not taking the blame for that dead guy. If the police come for me, I'm telling them about all of you too. You dirty. Suki's eyes grew wide with hatred. Gary quickly steps between them. Wait, stop, everybody, stop, Della screamed. They turned to her. Ricky's right. This is my responsibility, all of it. Now wait, Della, Pete started, but she reached up and put a hand over his mouth to quiet him. The gun was my responsibility and I left it there, so I guess I have no choice. I'll go back, back to Fear Island, and get your gun for you, Ricky. Well, okay, Ricky said, still glaring at Suki. Whoa, hold on, Pete cried. You can't go back there alone, Della. I'll go with you. Thanks, Della said softly, smiling at him. Maybe we should all go, Gary said suddenly. What? Maya cried, looking very upset. Yeah, maybe we should go on the overnight. Then Della could slip away and get the gun back. We're all in this together after all. And if we all go, it won't be so bad, Pete added. Well, I guess, Suki said, thinking it over. I guess if anything bad happened this time, Abner would be there. He could stomp on any stranger with those bad cowboy boots of his. Everyone laughed, except Maya. But, but what do we do if the partner is there? Maya asked, holding onto the fence and looking down at the ground. I hope he is, Gary said, his face hardening with anger. I'm fed up with all this stupid partner business. I'd like to pound the guy. I really would. Della looked doubtful. She hated it when Gary started talking tough. You guys really don't have to come, she said, her voice shaky. We're in this together, Gary said. Of course we'll come. Right, guys? The others, except for Maya, murmured their agreement. Finally, Maya said, well, maybe, I guess. It couldn't be any worse than the last overnight, could it?